There, there's this story about a man, uh, you, you may have heard of him, you may not. He's a famous author named uh, Richard Kip Kipling. He was a British citizen born in the 1800s. Um, you may not know his name, but you probably know some of the things that he's written. How many of you have ever heard of the Jungle Book? Yes, you've heard of the Jungle Book. Have you ever heard of How the Leopard Got His Spots? Yeah, the, the man who would be king. He was one of the most well-known prolific writers of his day. Now, when I say well-known and prolific, I also mean he made bank. I mean, this guy, you think about the Jungle Book and, and what happened. He, he's made so much money. There was a reporter that came up to him during that time, and they said, um, you know, you've made so much money off of your writings that it actually equals out to $100 a word. Now, today it would probably be thousands, but back in the 1800s, $100 a word. So he takes out a $100 bill, and he says, all right, Mr. Kipling, he said, I want you to give me one of your $100 words. Here's 100 bucks." And so Mr. Kipling takes the, the money, looks at it, puts it in his pocket, and says, thanks. <laughs> That's smart. I don't know. <laughs> what have you been thankful for lately? What have you been thankful for? We're in this series called Grateful, and we're moving towards Thanksgiving, and we're talking about this being, being grateful and living in gratitude for this journey that we have in God. Um, do you know something that God wants us to have that I think we spend a lot of time trying to figure out? God wants us to have a rich and satisfying life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The truth about this is that God's desire is that we eventually go to heaven. That's, that's his whole point of sending his son here to die for us, to make us worthy of something that we can't be worthy of ourselves, a perfect heaven, a perfect God. And, and we get to stand before God one day and, and take on the, the perfection of Jesus Christ. Um, and we actually get to do that now in, the, in terms of the way he sees us. But that's, that's heaven. One day we have access to that. But until we get there, there's this little thing called why, we'll, why we're still here on this earth. And, and we actually have to walk here on this planet and try to figure this out. And God has something to say about that time frame, too. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says that the thief's purpose, speaking of Satan, his purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. The way he does that is he pulls you away from God's purposes for your life. He tries to cloud your mind and pull you down and make you think differently than what God has for you. But Jesus said, but my purpose, say my purpose, his purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, we know that, and sometimes it can just be cliche as it washes right over our head. Yes, Jesus is good. Satan is bad. But where's the rich and satisfying life that, I, that Jesus promised me? Because maybe you've experienced some of that. But quite honestly, some of us, we experience the opposite. And we really don't know how to have access to this rich and satisfying life that Jesus says. Um, and if, if that's who he is, not just who he is, if that's his purpose for us, then where is it? So today I want to talk about some steps when it comes to how to get there. What do I need to do? What do, how do I need to be thinking to have this rich and satisfying life? Now, I just want to say, uh, when we hear the word rich in our society, we think, hey, God's going to give us stuff, <laughs> right? He's going he's to bless us with things. That word rich there in the original language, it means exceeding. It, it's going to go beyond. And what he means by that is it's going to exceed what you could ever think or, or dare to think or imagine. Because a lot of times we, we have kind of tunnel vision and we think what we need of as in a box. God wants to blow your box. He wants to give you things and let you have this life that you never even realized that, that you wanted. So we're going to talk about some guys in the Bible to sort of illustrate this. But real story, uh, they wanted this rich and satisfying life too, but they, they didn't have it. In fact, they were sick. They had a disease. The disease was standing in their way 
of the life that they felt like they needed to be able to be rich and satisfying. And so uh, you, you, you probably can understand having a need, can't you? Um, we, we think, hey, if this would just happen, then I would be happy. Or if, if this person would quit doing that, then I would have the rich and satisfying life. We, we think of all these things that, well, if, if, if God would just heal them, <laughs> right? That, that's when you get in trouble, is when you start looking at other people and saying, God, I just need you to take care of them, and then I'll be happy. Um, but they had this disease. Something was standing in the way of this rich and satisfying life that, that God said they could have. And so you can understand that. And so I just want to go ahead and, and just kind of blurt out the first point, the first step that we need to take uh, when it comes to being connected to this rich and satisfying life. And that's this, be the kind of person that says, I will recognize my need. Now, I know that's deep and I know that's profound, but we, we have to actually recognize in our lives what it is that we need. In Luke 17, verse 11, Jesus is traveling, and he, he runs into these, these lepers. There's 10 of them. And this is what it says. On his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, he's traveling along the border of Samaria and Galilee. Now, just kind of keep a mental note of where he is. And as he's going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now, notice that Jesus was on the outskirts of town. He was, he was traveling along the border, and it was just before going into a village. These guys were, were men who had leprosy, and I don't know if you know anything about the disease or heard about it uh, in your history books, but it was, it was a bad disease. And these guys, you know, they were living on the outskirts of town. There's a reason for that. Leprosy was one of the most horrible diseases in history. It would start as a, as, a, as a white patch on the skin. It was a skin disease. And then it would spread over the body and go to the extremities, and people's fingers would begin to rot and fall off, and it would be just horrible. Uh, eventually, it would go to their face, and then their noses would, would get you know, rotten, and people's noses actually, uh, actually fell off. And when you had this disease, by law, you were required to go to the priest. And the priest would look at you, he would evaluate you, he would see, yes, you do, or, yes, you, or no, you don't. And if you did, he would declare you unclean. And that meant you had to go live on the outskirts of town. You couldn't live with people because it was highly contagious. Um, so, in fact, it was so contagious that when people would walk by and you had leprosy and you saw somebody coming, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. And that would cue them that, hey, there's someone with leprosy close by, so that way they could avoid you. I mean, this, this stuff was bad. You had no contact with your family. You had no contact with your friends. Um, there were no text messages or cell phones back in the day. So you can just imagine how not only detrimental the disease was, but how isolating it was how lonely it was, a far cry from a rich and satisfying life. And some of us feel that way today with some of the things that we go through. We feel isolated. Um, we feel sick in, in, in a lot of ways. Some of us feel sick very physically, while others of us feel sick emotionally or psychologically. Uh, and these guys, they weren't just sick. They were outcasts. They were living on the outskirts of town, a far cry from, from the rich and satisfying life that Jesus says we can have. Physical leprosy today is, is a non-issue, pretty much, because of the medical advancements. But when you think about it in terms of our, our spiritual nature, a spiritual leprosy, that's far from gone. Because spiritual leprosy can represent anything that starts small in our lives, but then spreads. And it kind of overtakes us. It begins to dominate our lives. It begins to affect people uh, around us, people that we love, our friends. It separates us from God. And physical leprosy isn't as prevalent today, but we do know something about addiction, don't we? We, we know something about holding hurts and, 
and grudges and walking around life with, with pains. And it, those hurts and grudges, it's not just something that just sits here. It spreads. We think about it. And it magnifies in our thoughts. And it spreads throughout our mind. Or, or, or we're harboring maybe a critical spirit in us. And every time somebody does something, there, there's a judgment call in our minds about why it is they're doing it and what their motives are. Um, how about something as simple as this? We try to fix our own problems and fix everybody else's. And, and we do it thinking we're helping, but we're actually taking on a burden that we were never meant to carry with results that we can never truly get because we're, we're, we're harboring this in and of our own selves. Aren't you glad we don't have any of those problems around here? <laughs> Fact is, we have all of them. <laughs> we have all those problems, but I'm, I'm glad that there are real people that are in this church that have real problems, but that we know we can come to a real God that offers real healing. And, and I'm glad that that healing is still accessible and still available today. But do you know where that healing starts? Do you know where that, the, the step to that rich and satisfying life begins? The first step is recognizing that we have a need and recognizing what that need is. Um, it was easy to recognize physical leprosy because people could see it. They, they could see your skin, that you could see it with, with your eyes. But you can't always see spiritual leprosy that way. Now, you can't always uh, see unresolved hurt or anger inside somebody who's constantly offended or who won't let go of the past, but they're still functioning on the outside. Um, but do you know what, what spiritual and physical leprosy have in common? Is that they spread Physical leprosy, it spreads over your skin. But that spiritual leprosy, buddy, it spreads over your heart. It spreads over your mind. Eventually, it gets into your actions. And, and ultimately, it, it begins to come out of your mouth. And you begin to say things that you don't mean and do things that you, you, you don't mean to do. Um, you, you, you can't get help with a problem that you won't acknowledge exists. And so you have to recognize what your need is. So I, my, my question to all of us this morning, and, and, and I know I'm stepping on toes, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I'm stepping on mine too. I'm sorry if you wore flip-flops today. That's just kind of the way, way we're going to do service this morning. But I'm, I'm grateful that we can speak the, the truth of the Word of God in here, and I'm not so much worried about your toes. I'm worried about the condition of your soul and where God has you. And my goal today is to speak to you in such a way that, that inspires you to get with God and connect yourself to this rich and satisfying life that he has for you. So my, 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 my challenge is for us to take off the masks that we have, because I know some of us came in here with some deep needs, and you need to recognize what they are. And God knows you came to the right place today. Uh, but did you know that leprosy, physical leprosy, one of the reasons why it spread so bad and why it was such an epidemic was because people tried to deny they had it? They, they did. They tried to hide it and they tried to deny it. Well, that's really not an issue. It's just something else. And by the time it became an issue, it had already spread. It had spread in them. It had spread to other people. The truth is, the longer you deny your own need, the, long, the more it affects other people. So what is your greatest need? What, what is your greatest, whether you write that down or whether you think about it, what is it? You got to recognize what it is. Now, it's not enough just to know what it is. That's the first step. We got to recognize what our needs are, but you actually have to do something with it. That the next step to connecting yourself to this rich and satisfying life that Jesus offers is be a person that takes your need and says, I'm going to call on God. I will call on God. Now, there's all kinds of other temporal solutions and people's ideas and all these kinds of things that we can go to to try to fix our needs. 
But the fact is, is that until you go to the Word of God, you're never going to have a, a, an eternal solution that will really satisfy you down deep inside. That's why the Word of God says that His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a, and a light unto our path. We've got to call on Jesus. And so Jesus, he's on the outskirts of town here. These 10 lepers, they, they see Jesus coming. And this is what they say in, in, or, uh, in verse 12, the last part. It says, they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice. Who are they calling to? Come on, say it with me. I know we can, we can do it. Who are they calling to? They're calling to Jesus. And they're saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They're calling to Jesus for help. They, they've hit rock bottom in life, and they're calling to Jesus for help. Now, I just want to kind of shine the light on some natural tendencies that we have whenever we have needs in life. We, we, the natural tendency is for us to try to fix them ourselves. We do. We, we find ourselves saying things like, I'll be okay. Maybe we haven't hit rock bottom yet, and we, we, I'll be all right. I, I can fix this, or I can stop using anytime I want. I can. It's, it's just a thing. It doesn't have me. I'm still in control. Or maybe practically we say, you know what, this hurt I have, it's bad, but I can still function. I'm going to be all right. I can deal with this. Or, you know what, I'm not going to visit those websites anymore. I'm in control of what I watch. I'm okay. Well, can I ask, why is it that, that when a percentage of us inside can still function, we think we're okay? Why is it that... that that we, we wait until we hit rock bottom to call out to Jesus? Why is it that whenever we can still function, a part of ourselves still go on with life, that we just, we don't call out to him, we still try to fix it ourselves? Why do we wait until the addiction is so bad that it's, it's ruined our marriage, it's ruined our relationships, and we're, we're laying flat on our back before we call out to Jesus? Why do we wait until the depression is so bad that we're literally laying in bed and can't get up, and we feel like we're, we're wearing the weight of the whole entire world on our chest, and we're just flat. Why do we wait until then? Why, why do we wait until we let our hurts go so unchecked that we've unintentionally hurt everybody around us in life before we actually call on the name of Jesus? Can I just say something very blunt to you, but I feel like it's so true for all of us? If you could fix it, you'd have done it already. But the fact is, you can't fix it. So why? So you, you, we pretend like we're okay just because we can function, but can I just present the soft truth to you? The fact is, is it just hasn't debilitated you yet. But it's on its way there. What if we actually called out to Jesus long before and we recognized our need and we actually recognized the one who could actually do something about it? That's a step towards a rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised. In, in Psalm chapter 55, verse 22, the first part, it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. It, it's like this trade that we get to do. Jesus said, you know, trade me, your burden for mine. My, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Come to me, all you who, who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He's saying, I will sustain you, but first thing you have to do is call on me. So we recognize our need and we call on Jesus. And he, he never said, if you try hard enough, you'll have a rich and satisfying life. He said, it's my purpose to give you that. So call on me. He'll not only sustain you during that season of life, whatever it is, he actually wants to move you beyond it. And he wants to connect you to something far greater. And I, I just want to be honest that the next step is the reason why a lot of people live beneath what God has for them, the best that God has for them, and, and just very bluntly, because it's hard. 
because it's very difficult. After you're honest with yourself and you recognize what your need is, you have self-awareness, and then you say, you know what, I'm going to call on Jesus, then he does something. And, and this is where we, we, it really challenges us, and this is where it's difficult. He asks you to do something that stretches you. And that's, that's kind of the, the, kind of the catch-22 sometimes whenever we, we're walking with God. Our prayer is that, God, you come down and you fix this. <laughs> when I call on God, you take my hurt away. When I call on God, you know, my loved one that went away way too soon, or my son who, who is addicted to drugs, or my, my parents who won't get along, or my marriage is falling apart, God, you come and fix this, and I'm going to sit back in the wings, and I'm going to watch you do it. But see, God doesn't do that. What God does is when you call out to him, he shows you the next step. And so our next step, we've we got to be a person that says, I will take a step of faith. And that's difficult for us to understand because most of the time, matter of fact, I'll say every single time, when he, when he prompts you to take that next step of faith, it is difficult for us because faith is what? It's doing something when we don't have the answers yet. He always will. This, this rich and satisfying life, it's not a life with no problems. What it is, is it's a life where you've been uncomfortable enough to take steps of faith where you know how to deal with them. I need to say that again so we can grab it. A, a, a rich and satisfying life is not a life with no problems. It is a life where you have been uncomfortable enough taking steps of faith that you know, now know how to deal with your problems. You know where to go. You, you're comfortable taking uncomfortable steps because you know what the outcome is going to be because you've watched God come through for you time and time again. When, when you call on Jesus, that, that previous step, you're not asking God to do it for you. You know what you're asking God to do? You're asking God to show you what to do. Can, can we just get that in our brains? God, he delights in, sh in, in working in and through you. He'll come up and he'll do some miraculous things as you take steps of faith. Faith is always uncomfortable because it requires you to do something when you don't have all the answers. These 10 lepers that called out to Jesus, they said, Master, Jesus, have, have pity on us. And Jesus says this to him in verse 14. He says, when he saw him, he said, Go. Show yourself to the priest. Remember, they, they had to go show themselves to the priest to be declared, uh, be declared unclean. Well, if they got better, they had to go back to the priest, and, and he had to be the one that says, hey, you're clean now, and declare you ceremonial clean, or, or clean so that you could go back into society. And he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And the, the, the verse says, as they went, as they took a step of faith, because when they looked down and Jesus said, hey, go show yourselves to the priest, they still had leprosy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't run back into town and show that I'm going to look like an idiot. Everybody's going to like look at me and, and, and throw stones at me. I, 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 plus, I look like a Halloween <laughs> figure. I, I can't walk in there. But what did they do? They, they turned, and the Bible says, as they went, as they took a step of faith, they were cleansed. James chapter 2, verse 8, you know, he's very clear on what faith is. He said, you know what? You, you think you have faith. He said, but I'll show you my faith by what I do. He's very clear that faith is not a believe word. If I just hunker down and believe, 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 he's saying, I, I represent my faith to you by what I do. And I think it's interesting that Jesus waited to provide the miracle until they started moving. Why? Because faith always has something in it that's uncomfortable to us. And God, he, he delights in the faith element. Because it shows him that, you know what, we, we believe in him. And that next step of faith, whenever, whenever it's uncomfortable, I just got to say, it, it could be a humbling step. And I want to kind of camp out here just for a second, because whenever you humble yourself, you're lowering yourself and you're making room for God to come into you and him be lifted up. And a lot of the times, your next step of faith 
It'll be one that requires you lower yourself, and it's, it's humbling. There was a story of another person who had leprosy in the Bible, same disease. His name was Naaman. This particular gentleman was, a, was kind of a high in society. He was a, a political leader. He was in with the king. He was a very powerful and wealthy man uh, until he wakes up one day, and all of a sudden he's got a white patch on his skin. And he recognized his need, but he also recognized the position he was in socially. And so he, he understands that there's a man of God who's representing God, a prophet named Elisha. And he decides he's going to go to the door of Elisha, tell him what he needs. And he thinks Elisha is going to you know, do something that, that, from God and, and heal him. And so he goes and he, he tells him what he needs. And guess what Elisha tells him to do? Go. <laughs> Same thing that Jesus said in, in, in the other story. Uh, specifically, he said, go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. Now, you'd think you'd be grateful. Okay, if, if this, you're representing God and that's what you want me to do, I'll go. But it was like, why, why would I do that? Uh, here I am, this political leader. Here I am in with the king. I'm wealth, wealthy. I'm a man of power, lots of influence in society. And I have a disease and you want me to go in this river and bathe seven times? First of all, I'm not going to bathe one time, but you want me to go and dip seven times in this river? Like, like seriously, what's going on? And in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Naaman, he went away angry. He went away sad and thought, you know, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Isn't that what we want God to do? Come in and we, we want God to just fix it? What did he tell him to do? He said, he told him to go. And then Naaman's really ticked off. He said, look, aren't the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Now he's getting a little sarcastic. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? He turns off and he goes off in a rage. The Jordan was small. It was dirty. It was muddy. It was beneath him. The servants come to him. They, his servants heard what he said. And they come up and say this in verse 13. said, listen, if, if the prophets had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? I'm like, hey, you want your leprosy healed and you're willing to do some grand thing, but why are you so unwilling to do this seemingly small thing? Why are you struggling with this? You want to know why? Pride. Pride stands in the way of us doing things that make no sense, even when God says do them. And it's the same with us today. He will tell you to do something that demands your faith, but it may look foolish to other people around you. And all the while, God's saying, I I'm going to connect you to this rich and satisfying life. I'm going to meet this need in your life, but I'm asking you to do something that you can't understand, and it may look foolish to everybody around. I, I need you to lower yourself. I need you to lower your pride, and I need you to take this step of faith. Your next step toward a rich and satisfying life could be a humbling one. You need, to, you need to hear that. God may ask you to forgive somebody that you don't feel like needs forgiving, and everybody in your circle doesn't think they do either. And he's asking you to forgive them. Well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. You know what? Neither do you. Neither do I. But he's asking you to forgive them. Now, he's not asking you to condone what they did. What he's asking you to do is maybe take your hand off their throat. And that demands you lower yourself and lower your feelings and lower your pride that you feel like you're justified out of principle and God's saying, I want you to forgive. Maybe he's asking you to go to a trusted friend and expose the addiction that you have. And that takes lowering your pride because you got to get to the point first where you realize you actually have a problem. But now somebody's going to know and I, I got to lower myself. Maybe he's asking you to get help for the depression that you feel. Go to somebody, maybe get counseling, but everybody's going to know that I don't have my life all together now. Well, that, that's a step in faith, knowing that there's life on the other side, if that's what God's asking you to do. Maybe he's asking you to talk about this hurt that you have. Talk about this grudge. Talk about your pain. 
but I'm gonna, it's, it's going to expose me to more pain because I haven't dealt with that part of myself. And God is saying, take this step of faith and humble yourself because humility lowers you <laughs> and it makes room for God to come in and it draws you near to him. Why does it take faith to do it? Because humility makes you vulnerable. And, and we, we think vulnerability is a bad idea as human beings because it hurts. We don't want to be vulnerable. We could get hurt again. We don't want to expose ourselves because that's room for someone to come in and, and hurt us even more. What if I tell my problems to them and they think I'm an idiot? I, I don't want to do that. We always think it's a bad idea to be vulnerable. But vulnerability is the conduit by which you can actually change. Hear me say that. You can't change and be pliable unless you make yourself vulnerable before God and humble yourself. As long as you keep your pride, you're going to go forward alone. But when you humble yourself and lower yourself, God partners with you. And now you're taking that step of faith empowered by the one who's going to bring the results on the other side. King uh, or Naaman began to understand this a little bit. Verse 14 says, so, so he goes down. I don't know what the conversation ended up being, but as he goes down, he dips himself in the Jordan River seven times. And the man of, just like the man of God told him, and his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. I think that's so interesting. I love how, how God not only restored his skin to what it was before, but he made it even better. He made it like uh, that of a young boy. Uh, isn't that what God wants to do in your life? You, you think that when you take that step of faith and you act in faith that God's just going to restore to you what was. No, see, God, he's interested not just in giving to you and restoring you. He's interested in making it better than new. There is, a, there is a result that he wants to bring into your life when you take steps of faith that, that it's better than what you thought it was going to be. God, God is a rewarder, and when you take steps of faith and you believe in him, he has no choice but to come through for you. It, it delights him. It motivates him. It ignites his heart to move when his children say, God, I don't know how I'm doing this. I don't know what's going to happen, I, but I'm trusting you. I'm putting all my faith in you, and I'm stepping across this line, and I'm taking a step of faith. God, it, it ignites him to do that. And he is a rewarder for his children when they do that. And he'll reward you better than new. It may be something humbling. It may be something you don't want to do. But I just want to ask you today, what is your next step? What, what could your next step be? Do you recognize it? Would you be willing to call out to Jesus? Would you be willing to take a step of faith? Whatever you need, I want you to understand that your need is going to be met on the other side of your going. Just like these lepers. Just like Naaman. A rich and satisfying life has one more step and that is this. I will draw near in worship. We, we become the person that when, when Jesus comes through for us, we, we draw near and we worship. Back to that story in the New Testament. You got the ten lepers there. Jesus says, go, show yourself to the priest. And they all take off and they were healed as they went. Now, I want you to imagine that for, for just a minute. Imagine, imagine they're running and they're looking at their hands and all of a sudden their fingers are growing back and, and their skin's being healed and it's smooth and they start, uh, whoa, they start touching their face and yeah, that was different. Uh, they start touching their face and, and all of a sudden it's smooth and, and, and some of them are like, whoa, I have a nose. You know, I didn't have a nose before. And they start to breathe maybe for the first time and can actually smell and they realize for the first time how long it's been since they had a bath. You know what I mean? They just didn't know. Sorry, everybody. And, and they run and they're showing themselves uh, eventually to the priest. Um, and imagine the emotions of that. Imagine the emotions of knowing that hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a meal with my family tonight. I'm going to get to see my, my kids. I'm going to get to see my wife again. And so they run off, and, and to be sure, man, they are yelling and jumping, and they deserve that. They're celebrating. We all would do that. 
and they, they run off. But then one guy, one of the ten, did something that the other nine didn't do. In, in verse 15, it says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back. And he, he, he praised God in a loud voice. And then he does this. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he thanks him. This man was a, a Samaritan. No doubt he had a family to get back to, but he, he understood that there's more to being grateful than just celebrating. There, there's more to this rich and satisfying life than just God coming through. And that's this. It's about worship. Have you ever given somebody something that was really good, maybe a gift or maybe your time or done something good, and you just got the feeling very quickly that they, they, they were really pumped and appreciative of the gift, but they did little to nothing to connect with you? They were really happy about what they got, but they did little or nothing to connect with, with you. And you're glad they did it, but there, there, there's no connection between you and them. There's this man, he, he comes back and he, he praised God in a loud voice. He had, he had received the miracle just like the other nine did, but he came back and the Bible says he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. He drew near and he worshiped. Nine were grateful, but one said, I'm going to draw near to God and I'm going to worship him. What was the difference for him? Well, look at what Jesus said to him in verse 17. He said, Jesus asked, hey, weren't all 10 cleansed? I love how Jesus asks us questions and he already knows the answer to them. He says, weren't all 10 of, them, of you cleansed? Where's the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Say well. Well, the Greek word there means to be completely delivered, completely saved. This guy didn't just have his leprosy cleansed. He was delivered and saved and given a completely new life. You know what the difference was? Worship. Recognizing who God is and giving him honor. I love that 10 people were healed from their present situation. Because our situations can change. God, God can flip our, our situation around in a minute. But I think there's a difference when our, our situation has changed and we actually make an effort to connect with the one that changed it. Because that's, that's really where the rich and satisfying life is found. It's, it's not found in your circumstances changing. It's not found in God just simply doing a miracle. Even if you take the steps of faith and you believe him and there's, there's something happening between you and him there, God is interested in you walking with him long after the miracle takes place. Long after the healing takes place. Long after your emotional state changing. Long after the relationship is restored. Long after your financial state changes and God comes through when you don't have no idea where it's coming from. Long after all these things that God does for you, he longs for you to come back to him and, and connect with him in such a way. Because what happens is you, you begin to walk forward and there's going to be another season of life where you're, you're in need and you recognize the need and you call on Jesus and you, you, you're able to take that step of faith because you look back and you go, God, you've been with me this whole time and there's no way I could doubt you. As the song said earlier, you've never failed me. And I've got this relationship with Jesus beginning to happen, not just a history of him coming through for me, but I know him. I know his character because I spend time with him. I'm, I'm motivated by his goodness to me. His, the Bible says it's his loving kindness that draws us in to repentance. And whenever we, we go through these situations where it requires faith and we, we draw near to him, it's almost like, you know what? Why would I not want to know this God who saved me? And, and we, we begin to read his word and, and we, we, we see where the Bible says that not only does he care, but he actually orders our steps. He knew me before I was even born. The Bible says in Psalms that he 
He knows my coming and going. He knows the very words before I speak them. I, I, the, the God who made the stars, and he knows everyone by name, and because of his great and mighty power, not one is missing. Yeah, he knows me. David said, who am I that you're mindful of me? Who am I that you care for me? And, and he, you watch the same God that threw the stars into space. He comes through for you, and he actually wants you to come. And he delights whenever we throw ourselves at his feet. I want to know you. Why would we miss that? Because the, the, the key, the root that you have into a rich and satisfying life that God offers is never going to stop just with him providing for you. But the, the, the key to that rich and satisfying life, the kind that lasts, the kind that matters, is rooted in the fact that I know the one that gave to me. That's the last step, is I will draw near and I will worship. There's a story of a, of a couple who came to um, a church service, not here, but many months ago, and they came down and they had their heads down and they were just ashamed looking <laughs> and they, they came in and they kind of sat at the back and they didn't want to be seen and after the church service was over they 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 uh, they kind of hung around and and the pastor kind of saw them and they waited till everybody left and they came down and said hey can we talk to you a minute and the pastor looked at him and said for sure and come to find out they were they were addicted to drugs they couldn't get off of them they 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 needed help and so the pastor began to explain to them some of these things and talk about this rich and satisfying life in so many words. And he didn't see him again for a while. And about six months later, they, they came back. But this time it was different. This time their, their skin looked good. They were bright-eyed. Their head, head was held high. The couple was holding hands. And they were just smiling from ear to ear. And the pastor said, well, you, you look different, you know? And, and, and this is what the wife says. She kind of laughs and she says, it's just Jesus. Now, you think about what it took to get off of drugs. I mean, you can't just do it. You know what I mean? And anybody who's, who's been addicted to drugs, you, you know, it, it's hard. It takes recognizing and not denying, but recognizing that I have a need. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ is the only one that has the power to heal you in that way. And, 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 and you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they called on the name of Jesus. And it took a step of faith because it, it, when your body's screaming because you've addicted it and you actually have to take a, a step of faith and say, I will not. And then maybe 10 minutes later, I will not again, you know? And then you find some friend that you kind of, you know they have, I will not again. And you, you have to take these steps of faith. And for her to sit there and after, you know they took those steps and look and say, well, it's just because of Jesus. That's somebody who has fell down on their face and knows him. I, I don't know what exactly you're going through, but I, I have no doubt that that you don't have a problem identifying what your need is, recognizing what your need is. I, I don't have a doubt that you know that you need to call on the name of Jesus. And I would even go as far as to say, I know that, that you probably have a good understanding that it's going to take a step of faith on your part. And what I have to say to you today as I close is that that decision is in your hands. God extends to you. Jesus, he went as far as to say, not just, hey, I have this rich and satisfying life for you. He said, it's my purpose to bring you and to give you this rich and satisfying life. And my question to you today is, would you be bold enough to take these steps and connect yourself to them in a way that maybe you've never done before? Can I pray for you before we go? 
I know this has been deep. I know this has been heavy. But I'm, I'm grateful for God's word. And I'm grateful for the truth in God's word. And I'm never ashamed to tell you the truth. Let me pray for you. God, I, I know there's people, myself included, all over this room, Lord, and everyone who's listening online. God, we got problems. If I can just be as blunt as to say it like that. We have needs. And God, I just, I, I pray for those who are in denial right now about what those needs are. That it's somebody else's problem. Or I'm okay because I'm, I'm still functioning. Or I'm okay because no one knows yet. Lord, I, I just pray for a, for a conviction right now. Not a condemnation. You, your word says in Christ there is no condemnation. But for a conviction right now that leads us to a solution that points us that we would see beyond a shadow of a doubt that, hey, there is a need here and I, I have a problem. Lord, and I, I know there's lots of solutions all over society that's screaming at us, telling us that, hey, they, they can fix it. This thing can fix it. But I pray in the name of Jesus that we'd be bold enough to see clearly that Jesus is the only way that we can overcome this. And so I, I pray for boldness as they call in the name of Jesus. God, I, I pray for boldness for this next part because this is the part that causes us the most trouble sometimes in our flesh, and that is taking the, the step of faith. God, I, I don't know what the next step of faith is for everyone in here, but I know it takes faith, which means I know the questions aren't going to be answered before you say, before you say go. And I pray for boldness. I pray for crystal clear clarity. God, that they don't have to know all the answers, but there is a boldness inside of them that says, I know that I know that I know that my Father in heaven is looking out for me. And if he said do it, he's got my back. And I can walk forward knowing that no matter what comes my way, if he said do it, I know I'm going to be okay. I pray for that boldness in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, that we talked about you before, about how you guide us and how you show us and how you remind us of Jesus' words and counsel us. And Lord, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would right now, that you would give clarity, that you would give that understanding that you are with us and that we can take that step of faith. And Lord, I, I, I pray that when you come through, because I know you will, because you're true to your word, I pray we wouldn't forget you, but that we would find ourselves throwing ourselves at your feet, whatever that looks like, and, and worshiping you and remembering you, and knowing you, and growing in you. And as we walk forward, we can say, I know Jesus. I know the Son of God. And I know God the Father because I know His Son. And it's the Holy Spirit that led me to that knowledge. I, I know Him. I know Him in full. And, and we're going to get in your word and we're going we're gonna to remind ourselves who you are because we know another season's coming as we grow. And we know you're gonna, we're going to have other problems and we know we're going to have to recognize needs and, and call on you and take steps of faith again. And, but we're going to look back and go, I know you. I know you more clearly and, and better now than I've known you before because I, I've been with you. I've spoken with you. You're, you're not just a thing in my life. You are my life. Lord, help us not to miss that last step but help us to completely exemplify what it is that you have prepared for us and give us. And that's that rich and satisfying life, being rooted in the one who brings it. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. I, I know there's some people in the room now that, that it's not about a rich and satisfying life. You, you need to solve a deeper problem. That's an eternal problem. You, 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 your eternity hasn't been, hasn't been taken care of yet. Maybe you're living far from God or, or you've, you've never given your life to him. And, and you would say today, I, I want to know not just that rich and satisfying life, but I need to know Jesus. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to say this prayer with me. Maybe just agree with it in your heart because God hears you. God, I need you. 
I, I can do good things all day long, but I can't stand before a perfect God and a perfect heaven and try to, try to somehow justify getting in with my goodness. I'm not perfect, but I believe you sent your son to this earth and he, I don't know how he did it, but he was perfect for me. And I accept him. I believe that he really died for me. I believe that he was your son and is your son. And I believe he really rose from the grave. I accept him. I, I, I don't know all the implications of how all that works, but I know this. I know you're going to show me. And so as I get up every day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim my heart at you, and I'm going to read your word. And I promise to, 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 to just do that. I don't make bold promises because I'm a failure. You know it. That's why I'm praying this prayer right now. But I'm, I'm aiming my heart at you. And I trust you to show me enough to make me be exactly where I need to be. Change me on the inside. I believe that and I have faith in that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Can we say amen together?